The Mishnah says about Tubav, the Mishnah at the end of Tainus, Lehoyo Yomim Tovim Israel. There were no greater festivals for Kla Yisrael. These were, the Mishnah says, the greatest festivals, so to speak, in the Jewish calendar. And how did the Jewish people celebrate those festivals? And they would go and dance, and they would find Shidduchim. So we know that there were two unique festivals in the Jewish calendar. Yom Kippur and Tubav. The Mishnah just told us how they celebrated, but it doesn't tell us yet the reason. The reason for those festivals. What were we celebrating? And the Mishnah carries on and it says, Vaimer, Tseeno Uraeno Benois Tsion Bamelech Shlomoy. Go ahead and see Benois Tsion, daughters of Yishlaim, Bamelech Shlomoy, the king, which is referring to Hashem, like always Melech Shlomoy and Shirim does. With the crown that his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding and the day of his heart's happiness. And the Mishnah explains, it says, The day of his happiness, the day of his wedding, if they each called separately a day, then understanding is we're talking about two separate days. So what are these days? So the mission explains, B'yayim chasunasa is Matan Torah. Or B'yayim simchas libo is Binyan Beis HaMikdash. Two dates of tremendous importance. The day when we received the Torah and the day when the Beis HaMikdash was inaugurated. But there must be some correlation between these two dates and the two dates the Mishnah is talking about. Tishabah, and Yom Kippur. So Rashi helps us out. And Rashi tells us that the day of the giving of the Torah is referring to Yom Kippur. The day of the giving of the Torah is referring to Yom Kippur because that was the day that Klai Yisrael were forgiven for the sin of the Eger Azov. And that was the day that Klai Yisrael received the second set of Luchos. They were, so to speak, given the Torah again. That's called Yom Chasun What Rashi doesn't explain to us is what's the second part. What's Tuba of? What are we celebrating? And how is that related to what's called Yom Simchas Liboy? And the Gemara asks the question, the Gemara says, My Tubav, what was the reason to celebrate Tubav? And the Gemara gives a number of explanations. The first explanation the Gemara gives is it was the day that following the sin of the Miraglim, following the Aver of the Jewish people crying about going to Eretz Yisrael, when Hashem promised them that they would die in the Midbar, so what happened is every year, those Jews who reached the age of 60 used to die. And in the final year in the Midbar, nobody died. That decree had been rescinded. And they only were aware of that on Tubav, and therefore they celebrated Tubav as the day that Shinifsak Mesa Midbar. 
the day that the people who had been condemned to die in the Midbar stopped dying. The Gemara gives a second explanation. Tubav is a day that the Shvatim were allowed to marry, intermarry with other Shvatim. There originally had been a rule that a Shavit may only marry within its own Shavit. And that was the day the Shvatim were allowed to marry each other. The third explanation was there had been a time in history when the other Shvatim had made a Khairim, a ban between themselves not to marry into Shavit bin Yamin. And the day that was repealed was in Tuba'af. Another explanation in the Gemara is referring to the period after the destruction of the second base of Egdash. When we know one of the tragedies of Tishabov was the fact that the Romans managed to breach the fortresses and conquer the tremendously large Jewish city of Betar and they massacred all its inhabitants. And not only that, they refused to allow the victims of Betar to be buried for many years. Until eventually, many years later, on Tubav, they finally, finally allowed the Jews to bury the bodies of the victims of Betar. And another explanation of the Gemara is that in the time of the first base of Mikdash, Yeravan ben Nevat had made a decree that people from the northern tribes, Aserah Shvatim, were not allowed to visit Yerushalayim. And about 200 years later, the king of the northern tribes at the time, his name was Asher ben Eila, he repealed that decree. So these are the Gemara's explanations of what events took place of historic importance on Tubab. Now, these are random events, it seems, spanning the breadth of hundreds of years. But the truth is, one feels that the Gemara has not done enough to answer the question. If the question had been, you know that in Tubav, let's say, it's a date of significance to note in the calendar. Maybe a day we don't say Tachanun. Then we want to know what event of historic significance happened in Tubav that we're commemorating. But the Gemara, the Mishnah makes a much wider ranging statement than that. The Mishnah says that there was no greater Yom Tov. And if that's the case, we have to ask the question. What made Tubav? Yes, the day when they stopped dying, the day when they were allowed to be buried, the day when they were going to be married with each other. What made that into a Yom Tov of the standing that was similar to Yom Kippur? What's the common thread between all these different events which happened on Tubav? And why is that a source of Simcha? So, to answer the question, let's take a step back and let's look at the history of the Jewish people in the Midbar. And we know that even though there were many mistakes Klai Yisrael made in the year time they were in the Midbar, there were two which stand out. The first was the Chaita Egel. And the second was the Chet of the Miraglim. Even though they were both serious mistakes, Chet Egel bordered on maybe Avodah Zarah. The Chet of the Miraglim was 
an expression of Lashon Hara, which, as we all know, is tantamount of Avedazara. But we see that the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds was very different. After Chaita Egel, Moshe exerts himself to Daven for 40 days. Klai Yishol collectively do Tshuva, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu accepts that. The Gezeira of Chaita Egel is repealed. The Torah is given to us again. And we continued on the track to Eretz Yisrael. Yes, it was a serious mistake. But Tshuva is accepted and we can, so to speak, regain favor in Hashem's eyes and we can continue on the mission towards where we're going to go to. Then came the Chet And here also Moshe came to implore HaKadosh Baruch for mercy. Here also Klai Yisrael realized their error and they declared themselves willing to go up to Eretz Yisrael. But this time the Tshuva was not accepted. Moshe's Tshuva was not accepted either. More than that, Hashem, as it were, swore that He wouldn't change His mind. And that whole generation was destined to die in the Midbar. And the question is, what was so different about the Chait of the Egel, where it was still possible to do Tshuva, and the Chait of the Meraglim when Tshuva was not accepted? So I'd like to explain this. It's not really with the marshal, but rather with the principle we see in life. And that is, when two people work together in the framework of a partnership, in the framework of a marriage. And sometimes everything is going wonderfully, and that's great. And sometimes there are issues which arise between them. And any rov or counselor or therapist who's involved knows that sometimes the issues which arise can be smoothed over. The problems which there are can be solved. And disagreements have a resolution. But there's also a category of problems, of differences which arise which don't have a solution. And what's the difference? Let's explain it like this. There's two stages to a marriage. Halachically. There's what we call erisin, what we call engagement, and what we call nisuin, what we call marriage. Halachically, the principle of living together as a couple, setting up a house and running it together, only starts after marriage. What's the significance of erisin, of engagement? When do two people choose to get engaged? They haven't practiced living together. They haven't experienced and working together on a day-to-day basis. But the answer is that what's needed, so to speak, 
to get engaged, which means to form a commitment to each other is the fact that we're both working towards the same goal. We both want to achieve the same. In the context of a marriage, we both have the same vision of the home we want to build, of the children we want to raise. And that unity of direction, the fact that we have a shared goal, is enough to decide we want to work together to achieve that goal. Like the Pasuk says, can two walk together unless they have set a certain destination? You know, if, we go, if you're both traveling the same road, it's because you want to get to the same place. And now there's a second point. If Ariston, if engagement means setting the destination, then the second point is working to achieve that. And that's the second point which comes into practice when people get married. Now it's no longer a matter of sitting in a hotel lounge sipping coke and talking about ideas for the future. Now comes the practical part of making that future happen. And it's a question of day-to-day running the house and managing the finances and buying the food and cleaning afterwards and bringing up children, looking after them and staying up the nights and whatever it's going to be. Those are all steps, small steps, steps that are taken right now in order to achieve the goal which which was originally agreed upon. And one needs both. Without a goal, so a person is directionless. But with only a goal, without a practical application of making that into reality, then the goal will remain an unattainable goal. If one wants to climb a mountain, you have to look up and see the peak and see where you want to reach. Well, you have to look down and see the path where you're walking. Because if you don't see the path, you're going to land up walking off the edge of the mountain. But on the other hand, if you don't keep looking up to the peak, you might find yourself in the wrong place completely. So in an ideal relationship, there's two stages. The first stage, the agreement to make the relationship work, is the common goal we're trying to get to. The second is, what it's going to take from both of us to work together to achieve that goal. That's all in the ideal sense. But sometimes people make mistakes. And here's the difference. There are mistakes which are made in the context of a marriage. A person doesn't fulfill his obligations. He forgets. He does something wrong. He breaks something says the wrong thing, forgets to do the right thing. In relation with another person, sometimes the person's middles which aren't yet perfected come to the forefront and make him act in the wrong way. And yes, it makes the travel together with somebody more difficult. But those are the things which can be fixed. Whether it's just an apology with a strategy for the future, whatever it's going to take, but those are things which can be fixed. However, what made the relationship a workable relationship is the fact that both parties were working to the same goal. But if one finds that they and their partner are no longer working in the same direction, 
They're looking to achieve different ends. They're climbing different mountains. So then the gap becomes unbridgeable. It's not just the shayla of being with Vata in a certain privilege or working in a certain middah. It's a person's whole identity. A person's whole aspiration for life, which is now he's being asked to, so to speak, give up on. And that's a much harder shazam to cross, to bridge. And even though, I'm, like I said, it's, it's a true point in life, it's not just the marshal, but we can use this to understand our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Our relationship with Hashem was built on the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was looking for a nation to be a Goy Kaddish. A nation who would become close to Hashem and And when we agree to that role, when we agree that that's what we wanted to become, so to speak, we became engaged to Hashem. That's when he said, Nice to be Nishma was before we had received any of the mitzvahs. The bris with Hashem, the covenant was on the goal. The covenant was on the goal that we wanted to achieve together. We walk in the same direction. And then there was a second stage. The second stage when we were given the halachas, we were given the Torah. And now we're given an outline of what we need to do every day in order to make that happen. This is how we get up and how we get dressed. And what we have to do in the mornings and what we have to do in the afternoons. And how to put in tzitzit and tzitzit and how to daven and what to learn and what brachas to say. And all the other details which are the points which are going to bring us to become that Goy Kodesh. Which the points which are going to make us close to Hashem. It's the day-to-day activities which are going to bring us to that goal. And therefore a person needs to focus on both. Number one, to focus on the goal we're trying to achieve as Eden. That's our engagement to Hashem. And number two, on all the details, on all the steps along the way which will bring us to that goal. But we people. People aren't perfect and people can make mistakes. If our mistakes are in the execution of our duties, we forget to say a bracha. We say a bracha necessarily. We daven without kavana. We say the wrong thing. Or we think the wrong thought. Or we waste time from learning. Whatever other vera we're doing, these are our varas. These are our varas, but these all are our varas in the category of not fulfilling our obligations to Yashem. And when it comes to not fulfilling our obligations to Hashem, then there's, there's room for trivia. We'll try harder. We were wrong and we'll be more careful and we're sorry about what happened and Hashem accepts that. Hashem always accepts that. That's our Yom Kippur every year. That's Yom Kippur every year. We fell short in our discharging our obligations. We fell short in achieving what Hashem wanted us to achieve. And we, we, we apologize, we do tshuva, and we start again. That's Yom Kippur every year. If we think about it, that really, that was the mistake of the Egel Azov. The Egel Azov came from a place, not of Klai Yisrael rejecting Hashem. The Egel Azov came from a place where Klai Yisrael felt 
so to speak, not on the level. They felt incompetent to approach Hashem directly. They were looking for an intermediary. It was a mistake. Hashem doesn't want us to have intermediaries. It may have even bordered on our But it didn't come from a place of Klai Yisrael rebelling. It came from a mistake. And if that's the case, if Klai Yisrael apologize, if they do a proper tshuva, then there's Malkin for tshuva. And that was Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, we're given the Luchas again, HaKadosh Baruch forgave us for the mistake of Le'egel Azad. But then there's a completely different kind of Avera. And that is an Avera which isn't, so to speak, a misfulfillment or a mistake in the obligations of the marriage. There's the Avera which shows that we're going a different direction. There's the Avera which, so to speak, changes the starting points of the relationship. We're no longer headed towards the same goal. Such was the Chet of the Miraglim. It wasn't just that they heard Lashon Hara. It was a clear Israel felt we no longer want to go to where Hashem wants us to go to. We no longer want to go to Eretz Israel. We want to go back to Mitzrayim. Not only that, we want new leaders. The Apostle says, And if that's the case, now Klai Yisrael and Kodesh Baruch are working in opposite directions. Hashem wants to bring us to Israel. Hashem wants us to settle there and build the Jewish Empire in the base of Mikdash. And Klai Yisrael wants to return to Egypt. This wasn't just a mistake, in the, so to speak, in the fulfillment of our obligations. Here there was a change in direction. And that's irreconcilable. That's irreconcilable. Then there's no longer a common ground. The, the relationship is built on us wanting to achieve what Hashem wants us to achieve. When Klaish will change track, and that's no longer what they want to achieve, then if that's the case, then there's no possibility of continuing together. And that's why there is the response of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to the door of the, of the spies of the Miraglim was, if that's your plan, if you don't want to go to Israel, then you won't. Then you'll all die in the midbar. There's no way to carry on. And Moshe's fitters were ineffectual. Once the direction is no longer the same, then there's no way to continue the relationship. That's what the Navi says. The Pasuk in Hosea, I will be engaged to you forever. And you might think to ourselves, why is it a bracha? If you ask any chassan who's engaged, does he want to stay engaged forever? No, he wants to get married. What the Navi is saying is that the commitment of the engagement is forever. When we get engaged it's because we're sharing a goal, that goal remains forever. 
you will see that every single Khurban that happened to Klal Yisrael was only because Klal Yisrael were nichshal in this kind of mistake. It wasn't, and it wasn't the averis that they did. It wasn't the, the fact that they didn't keep up to the standards Hashem wanted. It was because there was a change of direction. Klal Yisrael didn't want to follow the path Hashem set for them. They wanted to go a different route. And that kind of a very brings to a gzera of destruction. A gzera is clear. And this is a theme we see when you look at the words of Yirmiya Wanabi. In the time of the first Khurban, it wasn't just a punishment. What Yirmiyahu was experiencing, what he tells us in his works, both in Yirmiyahu and in Eicha, was everyone felt they were going to die. This was the end. Death has entered our windows. To kill the children. He says, call the, the, the ladies who know how to raise their voices in Kina, and they shall come. And they should say kindness for us. He says, Korav Kitseinu. Our end has come. He says in Eicha, Ki ma'oisna astanu. Hashem, you've utterly rejected us. The feeling of the dar of the Khurban was that this is the end. The feeling of the dar of the Midbar. When they've been told, you're all going to die in the Midbar. And that's not changeable. That's not changeable. The tefillah won't work. Hashem had a shvur, so to speak. Then this is the end. Here's where you're going to die. The Dara, the first Khurban, made this mistake as well. They rejected Hashem. They refused to listen to Him. They wanted to follow Avayi Zara, And it wasn't just a mistake. It was a rebellion. And therefore the response was, then there's no continuation to the relationship. You're all going to die. It's a scary thing to look at. But we see a, a repetition of the same idea. In the time of the second Chorba. We spoke in Tisha B'Av about the tragedy of Asar HaRugi Malchus wasn't just the fact that there were ten tzaddikim. It was much deeper than that. These were the people which we would thought would protect us. In a time of exera. So who's going to survive? We think our tzaddikim, our leaders, the Kohen Gadol and the Nasi, the ones who teach Torah, they should be the ones who have the schosim to protect themselves. More than that, it's their schos which everybody else is relying on. And we see that they were the ones who got killed. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel the Nasi, Rabbi Shmuel the Kohen Gadol, Rabbi Akiva the greatest Torah teacher of the dark. And what was the message for Klai Israel? If our greatest are dying, then what do we expect is going to happen to us? 
If the schusim of the tzaddikim are not enough to protect them, the schusim of the Torah that they learned is not enough to protect them, then there's a gzera of destruction. And it boded ominously for everyone else. And there too, there too, the gzera of the churm was a gzera of destruction. We see a similar theme. How Klai Israel felt much more recently at the time of the Holocaust. We have the memoirs, some of the writings preserved from the Yidden who were living in the ghettos, in the camps, as they saw, as year followed year, and the persecution intensified. And the amounts of Jews being slaughtered every day was just reaching astronomical proportions. They felt this is the end. There's a gazera of destruction and everybody's going to get destroyed. And once again, for the same reason, not for specific averes that they had done, but for the rejection of Hashem. Many said it before the Holocaust, many more said it afterwards. That it came because of the wholesale desertion of Yiddishkeit. When Jews in ever-increasing numbers turned their backs on Torah, stopped keeping Shabbos, stopped giving their children the bris milah, were beginning to convert in large numbers to Christianity or just give up any form of religion. This wasn't just an Avera. It was a clear, com- a clear message of rebellion. We're no longer interested in traveling the way Hashem wants us to travel. We're no longer sharing a goal. And if that's the case, then there's no longer a basis for the relationship with Hashem. And that always brings a gzera, like the gzera of the miracle. That's not something Chova is going to change. That's going to end up in destruction. But that's Tisha That's Tisha B'Av. Tisha B'Av is a day when we, we relive destruction. But within the same week of Tisha B'Av, always we have Tubav. And if Yom Kippur, so to speak, is the closing scene on Aver of the Egel Azov. But there is the fact that Klaishal can do Tshuva. And get kapara. And continue. Then what's the final scene? After the gzera of the Miragdim. After the gzera of Tisha B'av. And this is the big Yisad. The answer is. That it's true that there will be times. When Klai Yisrael deserves destruction. They've abandoned Hashem. And if that's the case, so to speak, there's no basis anymore for the continued relationship. That's true. But the principle we have to learn, and this is the principle of Tobav, is that the Gezerah against Klai Yisrael is only going to be against that specific generation. The generation who rebelled or the generation will be punished. But that's not going to spell destruction for Klai Yisrael. 
Because there'll be a future generation too. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu's covenant remains strong with the next generation. Those, they didn't rebel. And therefore the, the covenant with them, with them will continue. And that's what Hashem says, the original the first door who had Tishabah. The generation who cried about not going into Israel. Who wanted to change track and return to Mitzrayim. Hashem says, you're all going to die in the Midbar. There's no continuation with my, of my relationship with you. But your children will come into Israel. There's the following generation. Hashem's bris, Hashem's covenant isn't with any specific generation of Yidin. It's with Klai Yisrael. As a unit. And if there's a door who don't deserve it, or a door who rebel, that door, so to speak, will get destroyed. The following door will carry on. Yirmiyah was told the Khurban. He was the leader, he was the one who lived the door of destruction. He didn't see past that. But there was Klai Yisrael afterwards. There was a door who survived in Babel. There was a door who came back to Israel. There was a door of Shmad at the time of the second Korban who witnessed destruction. That didn't signify the end of Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael survived. There was the next door which carried on. And sending after the Holocaust. The door who experienced the Holocaust was a door who saw destruction. Who felt the Korban. But now, 80 years later, Klai rolls back. The bris continues with the next generation. And that's a tremendous yasat. Even if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to make a gzera of destruction, it's only against that generation. It's not against Klai The Chidah writes that just like there's an Indian to feel Khurban on Tisha B'av, there's an Indian to feel Nechama. Comfort and Shabbos Nachama. And the question is why? The Khurban is still in their force. There's no Besamegdash today. We haven't been redeemed. And the answer is the Nachama we meant to feel is that's true. But we survived the Khurban. This Khurban didn't spell the destruction of Klai Yisrael. And the Khurban is that we are still here. We are still here. The Dara at the time couldn't have imagined that. Just like the generation who were all confined to gas chambers and torture and, and concentration camps couldn't see a Klai Yisrael beyond that. But the Nechama is that we, the following door, can see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't give up on Klai Yisrael. We're still here. This is the common theme of everything which happened on Tobav. It always signifies the end of a Gezerah and the fact that Klai Yisrael continues beyond. The Dara Midbar stopped dying. The Mesim of Basel were given to Kfura. Klai Yisrael were once again allowed to marry with each other and with Shevet Binyamin. Klai Yisrael were once again allowed to go up to the base of Mikdash. The idea of Tubav is that even the Khurban, even destruction has an end. And then there's, what, there's what's beyond that. Klai Yisrael remains indestructible. That's the Simcha of Tubav. The two great Simchas for Klai Yisrael, Yom Kippurim and Tubav, why is it a tremendous Simcha? 
is because they both show in different directions the indestructibility of the Jewish people. Yom Kippur, that for those mistakes we've made, the errors we've done, there's Kapara. We can do Tshuva and we can start again. And Tshuva, even for those mistakes, which are so deep, that they construe as a rebellion against Hashem, and therefore going to result in destruction, but Klayashah will carry on. Klayashah is an entity maintains this bris with Hashem. The Dar which rebelled, so to speak, detached themselves from Klai Yisra. And now that they've detached themselves, they can get destroyed. But Klai Yisra doesn't get destroyed. That's the Torah She'itra Lo'imoy. So to speak, the crown given to Hashem is what Klai Yisra presented their loyalty to Hashem when they said, Naisi V'neshma. That's something which always remains. Those who rebel, leave Klai Yisra. And they can get punished. But Klai Yisrael will always remain. And therefore, the way that Klai Yisrael chose to celebrate Tubav was by making Shidduchim. By making Shidduchim, by making engagements. That's, so to speak, the way that we as people can show the comparison, as it were, to our relationship with Hashem. Which in Tuvav is something we see will, will continue. Will survive. Even if the Doris get destroyed along the way. That brings us to the last point. We said, Yom Chasun The day of Hashem's Chasun is Matan that's referring to Yom Kippur, the day we got the Torah a second time. And why it's talking about Yom Kippur and not Shavuos is because it's exactly the point. We got the Torah the first time, but if we, if we would have lost it when we, when we don't keep it, then there'd be nothing for us to celebrate today. Unfortunately, there'd be many times we've fallen short of keeping the Torah. But what we celebrate is Yom Chasunah, the day that we get the Torah again. Yom Kippur, when the Torah is given, that's the second time. And the relationship is renewed. And that's something we can celebrate every year. Because every year we've made mistakes. But every year we can do tshuva, and every year we can get Yom Kippur back again. And then what's Sim Chasliboy? If the day we got the Torah is Chasunah, what's an extra dimension of happiness? The day of Sim Chasliboy? So we spoke about the first step, making a goal, getting engaged. The second step is working towards that goal. The third step is going to be achieving the goal. If the goal of the relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to live with Hashem, like the Ramban writes at the beginning of Pasha Shmois, that our actions should be such that the Shekhinah can come and reside among us. That's what we're trying to achieve. That was the point of when we were able to build a Mishkan or a base of Mikdash. When we were at the level that the Shekhinah could reside with us. The culmination of the goal we were set out to achieve. And this is Tubav. Tubav which shows that Klai Yisrael, as Klai Yisrael, 
remains true to the goal that it originally began with. Klai Yisrael as Klai Yisrael maintains its bris with Hashem. The sinners will get destroyed. The Klai Yisrael will continue. And therefore, Klai Yisrael are guaranteed that they will achieve the goal. The goal of living with Hashem. The goal of the Beis HaMikdash. We don't have it yet. Today our celebration of Tobav is the fact that Klai Yisrael are still here. The Klai Yisrael survive. And the Klai Yisrael continue. But we know that because we have that Koyach, the Klai Yisrael, as used Klai Yisrael, still maintain their bridge with Hashem, then it's for sure going to be the Klai Yisrael will eventually achieve the result, the goal, the relationship with, of Simchas Libo, when Hashem will live with us. The Shekhinah will return. As the Mishnah says, so, I want to finish with one last point, which I heard from my Rabbi, He brought from the Kabbalah's farm, I don't know the reference, that the day of the inauguration of the third base of Migdosh is going to be Tuba'af. And based on what we've explained, that fits in beautifully. The Simchas Liboy, the day when we celebrate the culmination of that goal, is the same day we celebrate the indestructibility of Klai Yisrael. And that will be Tobav. It's already a Simcha today, but how much more so in the future? And therefore we understand, and I can appreciate it a little bit, that Loi Ha'i Yom Tovim Ni Yisrael, Ki Yom HaKippurim Ketisha Ketubav.